on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champion. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, What's up, Mohawk Valley? Now heard on 96.5 FM, by the way. Just make sure you got your uh, dials all adjusted there. You can listen to us anywhere you go, whatever you do, wherever you are, on the ESPN app. Just download that thing if you haven't already. I'm sure many of you have it on your phone, but did you know? There on the ESPN app, there's a listen tab. You just give that a little, and you find either ESPN Syracuse or ESPN Radio Utica Rome, any ESPN radio station in this great land of ours, the great United States of America. But, of course, this is the one you want to be listening to. So find it on the app. Don't forget to download our podcast. Subscribe to our podcast. We'd appreciate that. You know, we're here for you. You can listen on your time. And the best way to do that is to go to iTunes. You find ESPN Syracuse. You just Give it a little little nudge, hit that subscribe button, and then uh, you can listen back to this show, the Daniel Baldwin Show, uh, Orange Nation, In the Booth with Matt Park. Terrific ESPN Syracuse programming whenever you want. Here's how you get in touch with the show today. We'd love to hear the hot takes throughout the day. That's hot. 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 2880644 a pretty gorgeous friday if you are in central new york you know that if you're listening from out of the area on that espn app you're like oh how cold is it today how much snow you got well actually we're we're kind of off to a good start here in the new year 45 degrees nice sunny day here in central new york enjoyed the little outdoors time today got a little needed vitamin d as i'm sure many of you did but let's bring it strong into the weekend, baby. We've got a few things we'll be discussing today, primarily the National Football League playoffs. That's right. Here we go, kids. You ready? Tomorrow, Sunday, in what is one of the better first-round weekends I can remember. Like, usually there's that one game where you're kind of like, yeah. And last year, that game for most people was Bills-Jaguars. But for Bills fans, we were just so over the moon that they made the playoffs. It ended up being a pretty crappy game. You know, it was a 10-3, right? I and mean, there's always that one game or that one quarterback or that one team. You're like, how did you get here? That, that's really not the case this year. This is as solid 
a first round as I can remember. Usually it's the divisional round that's the best, and it probably will be just based on the better teams that are there and the matchups that happen. But pretty solid opening weekend here. We'll break it all down with the NFL Blitz later in the show. Uh, The air quotes pick six. It's really a pick four because we only have four games to pick, right? So we will do that. And we will tell you everything you need to know about the Chargers, the Ravens, the Eagles, the Bears, the Colts, the Texans, and the Seahawks and the Cowboys. Cody Max, Dallas Cowboys, ready to get back out there in the NFL playoffs. We all know what happened last time Seattle and Dallas were on an NFL playoff football field. Tony Romo's defining playoff moment. Sorry, Cowboys fans. I just had to bring that up. You want to go toe-to-toe with horrific playoff moments. Remember, I'm a Bills fan. I mean, I got you. I got you there. You, As you well know, we've met a couple times in a big football game. Let's just, let's, let's just move on, shall we? Syracuse, Notre Dame. We will get into that, of course, as the Orange begin ACC play tomorrow in South Bend. And there's a football analogy to be made there because I really think that Syracuse's ACC slate, it will break down like a football schedule in a lot of ways. We'll get into that. Hot takes to come, as usual. Let's get into it, shall we? Let's dig in. We'd love to hear from you throughout at 437-7644. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. And the text line is 2880644. We'd just like to circle back on something quickly that I mentioned yesterday. And I really appreciate all the feedback that we've gotten on this. Good, bad, and ugly. I anticipated some people were going to be like, "Ah, who cares?" Or the dome's too cluttered, or the usual you know negativity that comes up from the Dementors when something like this comes up. But we proposed this yesterday. I'm going to keep track of it throughout the year. It's not going to get get done next week or even next month. It's it's going to be a process, and, and I understood that. But we wanted to start off the year with a proposed. New Year's resolution for Syracuse Athletics, Syracuse University, and that was that it is finally time to have a female student-athlete or athletes honored with a jersey retirement. And if a jersey doesn't fit, because you know not all sports have, air quotes, jersey retirements, right, then a proper way to have a female student-athlete put out there with all the retired jerseys, all the numbers, all the jerseys that we see in the Carrier Dome, for all to see because, uh, you know, it just, I'm, I kind of, you know, how can I, I'm disappointed that I didn't think of this till now and nobody's really aggressively discussed this until now, but in the better late than never category, my proposal, my challenge really to Syracuse is by the end of this year, okay, by January 1st, 2020, let's have a plan. Let's figure out who, let's figure out when, and let's get this done. So I've got a lot of great names. I'm keeping a running list going, and it's kind of centering on a lot of the same names, which I think is, is good in a way, but let's get some names out there that I haven't thought of that other people haven't discussed. Um, I, I got a text on this right at the start of the show from Zach, and the on-the-block text line is 2880644. said, Axe, love your topic about getting a woman in the rafters at the Carrier Dome. It is long overdue. My vote is for Sue Ludwig. Not only did she break records during her time at Syracuse, but has done so much for local girls basketball since graduating from Syracuse for 30-plus years of impact in the local area with her mind support, although there are many others deserving as well. Love to get a text like that. Get you, you know, Please send me emails, tweets, 
however you want to get in touch and offer suggestions. Because there are a lot of worthy candidates, but someone's got to break the ice. And I feel like we've got an opportunity to at least come out of the gate with two and kind of build from there. And what are the qualifications of it? Is it just what they did at Syracuse? Is it what they did at Syracuse? And afterwards, uh, Catherine Switzer is an interesting discussion because she did not compete as a student athlete at Syracuse, but obviously has made one of the biggest impacts of any female athlete in the world. So this is going. These, these are all good problems to have. These are all good discussions to have. So I just wanted to say thanks for all the feedback on that. Uh, this will not be the last time we discuss it. It will be an ongoing process. Certainly the next time we get John Wildhack on the show, we will bring it up. As I mentioned in a, a more detailed discussion on the show yesterday, the podcast is up at ESPNSyracuse.com. I have been assured by people that I spoke with yesterday at Syracuse that, oh, yeah, we've discussed this. So hopefully we can kind of nudge it along a little bit. And by the end of this year, even sooner if you'd like, but, you know, let's be fair about the, the time that these things take to do. By the end of this year, let's have our plan. We know who, we know when, let's go. Okay. Syracuse, Notre Dame. This kind of feels like a football schedule to me. And it's 18 games. It's a lot of time. But the reason it feels like a football schedule to me, with a little more, I would say, slack, because, see, in football, if you lose six games, you still go to a bowl game, right? And that was the thought we had at the beginning of the football season. Just win six games, get into a bowl, we'll build from there. When it came to Syracuse. Well, Dino Babers and crew had other things in mind. Thanks, Brent. You coach. They win nine games in the regular season. They get a bowl game. We were all over the moon about the opportunity to get 10, continue to make history, continue to bring fans back, and it just became bigger than we imagined, right? But honestly, most of us would have taken six wins. So there's a lot of slack there. You can lose six games and still satisfy. Now let's look at the basketball schedule. There's a lot of time between here and when we really get serious about checking Joe Lenardi and checking Jerry Palm and checking all the March Madness projections that will be out there. But because we have the net rankings and because we have the quad system and because we know how important non-conference games are, we know that this is a four-month process and not a two-month process, you can kind of project how Syracuse is going to go on its path to the NCAA tournament, not only because of all those measurements that college basketball has, but because we've been through this a lot the past few years. Syracuse has rested squarely on the bubble for every season the past four. They made it once. They didn't make it another time. They lost four non-conference games a few years ago and got in, but that's the only time it's happened. And then there was a time when, you know, by self-imposed, they did not get in the tournament. So we've been through this. We know this as well as anybody. So the reason I look at this like a football schedule is I feel like there's a cushion of seven losses. I feel like if Syracuse wins 11 ACC games, they're in the tournament. And you say to yourself, is this a team right now that is playing like one that can win 11 ACC games? And my answer to that would be no, because they lost some non-conference games they shouldn't have. Now, a couple of those were early, 
notably the Madison Square Garden ones. There's always a game you stub your toe in. That turned out to be Old Dominion, who, again, Old Dominion's, I mean, I'm not going to try and talk up Old Dominion too much, but I think, A, they could be a tournament team. They could win Conference USA, and they are a top 60 net ranking team right now. So, look, you don't lose to Old Dominion at home. You don't. But it's not like this is a team like in the 280s and it was just such a fluke victory by some random non-conference team. Like, they're more legit than maybe a passing glance would give them. And Buffalo is just a good team that Syracuse lost to. But what happened was it left you no room for error. We know exactly the path you got to carve here. I think 11 wins is safe. I think 10 wins, we're all going to be nervous. I think 9 wins, you're out. Even with how college basketball is, the bubble evolves, maybe the ACC isn't as strong as usual. I mean, there's a lot that can happen over the next couple months. But you go into this first game against Notre Dame tomorrow, and this is a Notre Dame team that's down. This is a Notre Dame team that I think will provide Syracuse a bit of a matchup issue in key areas, as we'll go over later in the show with more of a fine-tooth comb. But this is as winnable an opportunity for Syracuse to grab a road win versus some of the better teams that Mike Bray has presented to Syracuse. Not only do you have a opportunity here against a Notre Dame team that's down a few players, you've got a lot of home games in the early stretch of ACC play. Now, we got to be careful here because the one thing that we do in sports is we talk ourselves into these musts and these narratives, and then we find out, like, well, that wasn't really the case. But it's hard to ignore those signs. It's hard to ignore. Well, here's the path. Here's on paper what you can do. And in order for that to come to fruition, you need to see a team that can prove it can win on the road. They've got to know what that feels like. This is a Syracuse team that went to Ohio State and won a game. So they know that feeling. They know what it is like to go on the road, go somewhere where you have absolutely no support. This wasn't a Madison Square Garden. This wasn't a neutral site where Syracuse fans traveled to. They went to Ohio State, and there weren't a lot of Syracuse fans there. You're going to go to South Bend. That is not an easy place to play. A home atmosphere that can lift a down-but-not-out Notre Dame team that needs a win. They're on the same path. They've lost four games, three non-conference, one in-conference to Virginia Tech. They don't want to start 0-2 in ACC play if they expect to be a contender. Now, last year, Notre Dame was in a completely different situation, and they had lost star power, but knew they were getting a key player back, and it was just kind of tread water to see if he can get the opportunity to get that player back and get in, and they didn't. They fell short. Some people felt like they should have been there, but they weren't. So you got two, desperate's a strong word because it's day one of ACC play, but you have two hungry teams that need this win. One team I look at and I say, that's who they are, and that's Notre Dame, until Rex Fluger comes back, until they get a full breadth of talent there. I look at Syracuse, as many of you look at Syracuse, and say, you have come nowhere close to as good as you can be. And I think that's where some of the the venting, some of the frustration, some of the uh, passionate suggestions come from, from the great fans of Syracuse on this show, Twitter, whatever the case may be, whatever the forum of choice is. 
I think I see Tyus battle right now, and I say, that's the player Syracuse needs him to be. I look at O'Shea Brissett, and I say, oh, you can do better. I've seen the flashes. I, I think he's playing a lot smarter. I don't think you're going to see a guy that's going to hang on the three-point line. I think he has been told and knows you got to mix it up. You need somebody in that paint. And Notre Dame's got a couple of guys that can mix it up in the paint. They have one of the leading shot blockers in the country right now. And a guy who's averaging near a double-double. That will both give Syracuse trouble if O'Shea can't get in the paint and mix it up because, well, we'll see what Marek Doljai can do there. We'll see what Barama and Pascal give you because I just don't know right now. That's the big hole. Every team's got a flaw. Even Duke has flaws. They are... uh, a lot less than others, but even Duke has flaws, right? Syracuse's flaws, they are a donut. There is a giant hole in the middle. As well as Marek has played the last two games, I am as, I'll, I'll, I'll use the word, I'm skeptical that he can hold his own for 18 games at that position. This was a necessary change for right now. But can Syracuse really go through an ACC slate with Marek as their starting center. They might have to. They might have to play this way and just concede that and find other ways around it. I see Elijah Hughes, not only do I see it and you see it, the eye test, that's a good player who's fearless, who's shooting well, who can take it from the outside, who can get on the inside. The numbers back you up too. He has scored 15 points in the last six games. To take that a step further, he has scored at least... 15 to 17 points in that stretch. He has scored in Syracuse's 14 games, 14 plus points in 12 of those 14. That's consistency. That's when I talked to Jim Beheim yesterday. That's why I said it seems like you're getting exactly what you need out of him right now. Frank Howard right now is averaging 5.8 points per game. At this point last year, he was averaging 14.4 points per game. I think it's obvious that you need Frank to be Frank. He needs to find his rhythm. Maybe Elijah's added offense, maybe that added player there, maybe the fact that this is a team that has depth that did not last year. You know, I don't, maybe he won't match that 14.4 number, but certainly what he's doing right now is not enough. He has got to get better on the offensive end. I brought up Barama and Pascal. I don't know. You don't know. Anybody doesn't know. Did anything they give you at this point? Anything. And this is not a good thing for me to be saying on January 4th, but anything they give you is a bonus. The X factor to me is Jalen Carey. How he mixes in, gets in the rotation. If Frank isn't giving you what you need, can he take the reins? Because you can tell Beheim's still a little hesitant with some things that he'd like to see him be more aggressive on, and we don't know how this hip injury is affecting things. It's put a little dent into what he does. So we'll continue to discuss that. We'll break down the matchup with more of a finer-tooth comb later in the program. We've got some picks to make. We've got hot takes coming up. We've got a lot to do. What I want to do next, though, is dig into the NFL playoffs a little bit. I said at the beginning of the season, in a rare moment of Uncle Brent knows what he's talking about, Chiefs, Rams, Super Bowl. So I can't back off on that. I'm going to stick with that. Statistically, where does that lie? Where can you really make some money for entertainment purposes only on future bets on the Super Bowl? We're going to dig into that coming up. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Don't go anywhere. 
This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Hey, you know what you should do tomorrow? Go drink some beer. I know, twist your arm, right? But you can join uh, Seth Everett tomorrow at the Buried Acorn Brewery, pre- and post-game coverage, and a watch party for Syracuse-Notre Dame. It all gets underway pre-game at 11. You can hang out with us during the game for an ESPN Syracuse watch party. Then as soon as the game ends, Seth back on the air, post-game coverage right here. On ESPN Radio 97.7, and live at the Buried Acorn Brewery. I have heard great things about Buried Acorn. If you're a craft brew fan and there's a lot of you out there, you probably like, dude, where you been, right? But if you haven't been, get on out there and you can hang with our boy Seth Everett there tomorrow before and after the Syracuse-Notre Dame game. Noon tip tomorrow, so get there, have a little pregame brewski, have a in-game brewski and an after-game brewski. There you go. Of course, drink responsibly. Uh, Seth's going to hang with us in the studio next hour, by the way. So gird your loins for that. Exciting stuff on the way right now. Let me with that fancy open. Let's do that thing. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for Hot Takes on the Block. It is presented by the Press Room Pub, the number one sports and entertainment venue in central New York. Another great place to watch Syracuse, Notre Dame, the NFL playoffs, everything happening this weekend. Our friends at the Press Room Pub in historic Herald Square, downtown Syracuse. Jimmy Butler's causing problems again, you say. It's only uh, taken a couple of weeks, but according to uh, the insiders of insiders, Woj and Ramona Shelburne of ESPN, Butler has, quote, aggressively challenged Coach Brett Brown on his role in the offense, complicating an already tenuous chemistry amongst the team's big hierarchy. Sources tell Woj that Butler has been vocal recently, including, quote, disrespectful in a film session. Brown has reportedly told people in the organization he has no issues with the exchange and considered it within the confines of the relationship he has with Butler. Butler has caused problems in Minnesota before being traded. Now, I want you to notice a pattern here. The pattern is that Jimmy Butler likes to talk to these insiders or somebody close to Jimmy Butler likes to talk to these insiders and enjoys getting it out there that Jimmy Butler causes problems. There's a pattern here. He's in Minnesota. He's causing a riff and it fuels immediately to Woj. Now he's in Philadelphia. hasn't been there that long. There's a little rift, or at least a perceived rift, of what's going on. And what happens? It gets to Woj and it gets to Shelburne. That is by design. That is not by accident. Okay? Woj and Adam Schefter, and I can go down a list of many people here that do great work and find out these stories and have sources and connections. And I'm not mocking their process. I'm not criticizing their process. It's just curious to me how Jimmy Butler continues to come up in this situation and what can make Jimmy Butler happy. You are on one of the great young up-and-coming teams in the NBA in an Eastern Conference that does not have LeBron James. What's the problem now? Like, everywhere this guy goes, he's not getting the ball enough. He's, you know, it's one thing to just have 
constructive discussions about your role, to have film sessions. It's a long season. Stars, players want to speak up and say, I'm better in this situation. But 99% of that stuff stays in-house. When it leaks out, it's by design, either through insiders or once. I saw a great video the other day of a speech LeBron James gave to Cleveland after Game 6 of the NBA Finals. And they were on the brink of the championship, and they had like this puzzle that they put together in the locker room, kind of like the Indians did in Major League. When they were taking off the, you know, the pieces from Rachel Phelps, they went the other way. Same city, different team. They, they made a puzzle of the NBA title trophy, the Larry O'Brien trophy, right? I'd never seen that. I'd never heard LeBron James give that speech, most of which I can't repeat because of the bad words that were said in it, but that gets out by design. This stuff gets out by design. So what is it that Jimmy Butler's not happy about now? There's only so many times you can cause riffs, intentionally get this stuff out there, get your side of the story to Woj or whatever insider you want to choose to get it out there to get what you want. I mean, after a while, you just become, you know, the boy that cried wolf. You just become a whiner. There's a lot of drama in professional sports. There's a lot of drama in the NBA. People love these kind of storylines. Part of the reason the NBA is so popular is not only the star power, the great games, the matchups. It, it's There's, like, side stories. There's, like, wrestling storylines that are happening in this league right now. And here we go again. That's hot. So it happens when you have such a long season. Got to fill the drama with something. Okay. I'm just going to play these for you, and I'm just going to preface this by saying that it's Bill Walton. Bill Walton, always worth listening to, with our friend Dave Pash, Syracuse alum, former voice of the Orange. So UCLA needs a coach, which is pretty intriguing in and of itself that here we are on January 4th and UCLA just fired their coach. A major, historical, big-time college basketball program fires their coach, Steve Alford, who everybody and their brother said should coach that team the last time UCLA was looking for a coach, and he was the guy that came up, right? So naturally, doing a game at UCLA, Dave Pash asks Bill Walton, who should be the next coach? Who do you think can succeed here? What type of characteristics should UCLA look for in the next coach? Barack Obama. Well, he's. I don't think he's going to coach so well you keep saying that but why why are you so negative why do you just turn down give me some his brother-in-law coach Craig Robinson I'm sticking with Barack Obama until he says no there you go just in five seconds Bill Walton says yep we're going Obama yay democracy I'm sticking with it his brother coach he'd be a great candidate he's available and you say to yourself UCLA's tried a lot of coaches in recent years maybe it's not such a bad idea like go go outside the box a little bit more from Bill Walton in trying to find UCLA a coach. It's Bill Walton. I used to play for you. We need some help. UCLA is looking for a new coach. We need a new leader. Coach, please help. Coach, you used to tell us, illuminate the path forward. Never ask anybody to do something that you haven't already done or aren't willing to do yourself. Pull the team together. Define the terms of the conflict. Do what others can't and won't do. Lead the relentless offensive attack. The regular use of the word no. And then when things go wrong, assume responsibility yourself. And at the end, coach, we all know it's about honor, sacrifice, and discipline. 
please, Bob Myers, save us. That was Bill Walton talking to a statue. A statue of John Wooden, by the way. Where is, there's a very short list of people that if I play you 48 seconds of audio of somebody talking to a statue, that you'd say, oh yeah, that's just Bill. It's just Friday. Like, oh, okay, yeah. Many other people who spent that amount of time talking to a statue would then be guided away and taken to a, a padded room. For Bill Walton, it's, oh, it's just, he does that every day. Like, what? You don't know this? That's hot. He talks to that wooden statue all the time. Bill Walton, ladies and gentlemen, always a pleasure. I mean, look, I'll say this. If you're just flipping around random Wednesday night college basketball and you see that opening shot, and there is Bill Walton, you stop and you wait and you listen, and it doesn't take long before something like this happens. Who do you think can succeed here? What type of characteristics should UCLA look for in the next coach? Barack Obama. There you go. So West Virginia is moving on. Syracuse defeats West Virginia in the Camping World Bowl and causes chaos, shoving Daniel Holgerson out the door. That's not exactly how that happened, but I I just kind of like to believe that. They have hired former Troy head coach Neil Brown to replace Daniel Holgerson, who signed a five-year, $20 million deal to be the new head coach at Houston. Which, by the way, let's stop for a minute there. You are going from a place where, yeah, maybe your time was up, maybe people were getting sick of you, maybe you know it, it had kind of run its course, but that's a Power 5 Big 12 school. To a outside program, a group of five. Now, there's a certain list of teams outside of the power fives that are doing okay. Boise State is one of them. South Florida in recent years, Central Florida in recent years have done enough to say we deserve to at least be in the discussion. Even though we're not in the big boy club, we are consistent enough. We're good enough. We have NFL talent. We have 11 and one, 10 and two, whatever the case may be record. So we should at least be kind of thrown into this thing, even though we're not a member of a Power Five conference. Houston has emerged as one of those programs as well that has been so consistent, has had Heisman Trophy-worthy players, both on offense and defense. Ed Oliver, the number one pick in the upcoming NFL draft. That's a prediction out of Houston, right? Houston has reemerged, even though they're not in a Power Five conference, as a powerful school for money talks and you know what walks. But for Holgerson to walk out of a place where Look, you win nine games a year, at least be in the conversation for some big upsets, make a Big 12 championship game once in a while. You can coach at West Virginia a long time. For Holgerson to get a call from a group of five, not a power five school, and say, I'm out of here, is interesting to me and how quickly that went down. Now, Brown, who replaces him, Neil Brown from Troy, is one of just six FBS coaches to have 10 wins each of the last three years. I just said the name Neil Brown to you, and a lot of you were introduced to him. As an AP voter, I can tell you, I have voted for Troy a couple of times. I can't sit here and break him down for the next 10 minutes, but I've spent enough Sunday morning saying, well, look at this Troy team. And I never accidentally see them. It's not like you search out Troy football, but when this job came open, I, I found it intriguing you know, you see, I, and I follow all these guys on Twitter, as a lot of you do, but, you know, you see the Stuart Mandels and you see the Brett McMurphys and you see the college football insiders. Like, it's almost like they sent a group text and said, 
we've got to endorse Neil Brown for this job. They didn't, but he was a name that made a lot of sense, and it's that stat that I just read you. Six, just one of six, FBS coaches, 10 wins each of the last three years. That's impressive. I know Troy doesn't exactly play a murderer's row schedule. They've come close to or pulled some upsets in recent years. He has built a really strong program there. Now give him the resources of the Big 12, of a Power 5 school. You may not know the name Neil Brown. Now you're going to know it soon. He might even do things on a higher level than Dana Holgerson did at West Virginia. Fired because of that triumphant Camping World Bowl victory by Syracuse. No, I'm kidding. He left and took another job. Let's break on that note. We will come back. Our buddy Seth Everett. That's, well, Seth Greenberg. I'm getting all my Seths mixed up. Seth Goldberg will be here for an update, a little chit-chat, top of the hour. Then Seth Everett (laughs) will be in next hour. We'll get Coach Greenberg on sometime during the college basketball season. He's always great to have on. So every Seth we've ever had on the show just got listed there. But Seth Goldberg coming up next. Seth Everett coming up in the next hour. Talk some hoops with us. Don't forget he will be at the Buried Acorn tomorrow starting at 11. He'll hang during the game. We're having a little watch party during the game. And then he will hop on as soon as Syracuse and Notre Dame is over and do our post-game coverage after the Orange Open ACC play, which we'll discuss more coming up. Stay right there. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.